Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell uh, Men's Divorce video and podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. And as always, we bring to you this daily podcast, uh, bringing you issues related to COVID-19 and its effect on all matters related to family law, uh, guys before, during, and after divorce, and issues therewith in modifications of support and contempt, and just trying to bring you some of the Cordell and Cordell attorneys from around the country and get you the latest information. And so today, I'm joined by the Cordell and Cordell Maryland attorney, uh, Christine Ray. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining. Before we get started, as always, I start with our disclaimer that uh, this is not to be taken as legal advice. It's not an attorney-client relationship. So just be, you know, use caution. If you're, you know, listening continually, you know this is a disclaimer I bring to you. This is more of educational. It's more to create uh, talking points for you and your attorney to go through. If you need an attorney, certainly we're available. You can check us out online at cordellcordell.com or contact us at 866-DADS-LAW, and we can take care of a virtual or telephonic uh, consultation with you. So, you know, Christine, one of the things that, uh, you know, has always been in the news the last couple of weeks, at least, is this coronavirus stimulus economic impact payment, you know, that's coming to clients or to, to guys, and they have questions about, maybe they've heard of it, they don't really know what it is, where to get it, when to get it, kind of, let's just start at the top of, you know, what is this stimulus payment and what should they be expecting kind of thing? So the stimulus payment is one part of a multi-part uh, $2 trillion relief program that's been enacted by the U.S. government to give uh, financial relief to Americans during COVID-19. It's comprised of the stimulus payments, student loan relief, um, expanded unemployment benefits, and relaxation of penalties on provisions for retirement withdrawal. The stimulus checks and the retirement program are things that you and I are going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. There's, you know, the whole uh, bill has some really interesting and valuable relief mechanisms for guys. And, you know, as, uh, as I was researching some of it last week, um, and, I, in, and one of the things I point to is once you realize what you're going to get, if you're eligible, uh, there's a website uh, out there, irs.gov forward slash get my payment. And you can check the status, you can enter direct deposit information. I think that's kind of the critical part. There's a lot of error uh, messages on it. Um, obviously, imagine the number of people trying to access to get their payment. Uh, so but to be cautious, but it's just somewhere interesting to start. So what is it, um, the amount of payment, how much will, will people receive if, and if they qualify for this stimulus payment? Right. So for singles who had an adjusted gross income in either 2018 or 2019, depending on when the last return that they filed is, um, for single adults with adjusted gross income of under 75000 they will get the full amount of $1,200. Uh, married couples with no children with a combined income of under $150,000 uh, will receive $2,400. Um, head of households will receive $1,200 if they earned $112,500 or less. Um, and a, then there's a diminishing returns after that. Um, for those income figures between seventy-five dollars and $99,000 for singles, um, it'll be a diminishing amount until they hit that $99,000 cliff um, and married with no children at the $198,000 cliff. Um, a family with two children will no longer be eligible for any payment um, if their income surpassed combined 218 for the taxable year, which the IRS is looking at. So a lot of, I know, questions I've, I've uh, talked to people about and also been submitted during our national webinar that we hold every Thursday is, do I have to file my 2019 return to get it to be eligible? How do they determine it? You know, do they look at 
you know, is there an incentive for me to file my 19? What, what should you be guys thinking about right now? So if you have not filed your 2019 tax return, they will be looking at your 2018 tax return. So an important thing to ask yourself is, have my circumstances changed since that 2018 tax return was filed? Um, if it is based on your 2018 tax return, um, they will pay you based on your 2018 income, um, and the money will go into whatever direct deposit account was open at that time for the refund of your 2018 return. If you elected to receive a paper check, a paper check will be dispersed, but it will be dispersed in the joint names of you and your spouse if you filed jointly for 2018. So some of the things you need to ask yourself are, have my circumstances changed for 2019, and does it behoove me to file right away to um, avoid a disposition of that stimulus check, which may not be favorable to me? Has my income substantially increased, decreased in 2019, which would allow me to get the benefits, whereas previously it did not? Um, am I now separated, and I don't want those funds going into the prior joint account? I want them going to my account. Uh, if you're now single or separated where you weren't in 2018, you probably want to talk to your tax accountant about whether or not it makes sense for you to file uh, separately if tax advantages um, outweigh what the stimulus check would be so that you can ensure that you get your stimulus check. Yeah. I mean, there are so many opportunities here. I mean, obviously, uh, there are ramifications for doing nothing. If you were over the threshold in 18 and your, as you suggest, your circumstances and your income would put you under the threshold at, for, if you filed for 19, it's just, you know, giving away pretend, perhaps money that otherwise could help you meet bills, needs, and expenses during this uh, pandemic. And so it is critical to really sit down, take a look, and if you haven't done anything with your 19, is there a problem? Is there a change which would otherwise make you qualify? I think that's huge. And suggesting that you contact a, you know, a tax attorney or a tax accountant to make sure that you're maximizing uh, the benefit that's available to many people out there. You know, and, and the guy, I guess, the question's always uh, issues with separation. Uh, you filed 18, or maybe you filed 19. You qualify. I've moved out of the marital home. Uh, you know, if maybe it's not a direct deposit, where does the check get mailed to? I mean, that's always the question. And how do I get it? You know, if I'm not there and it gets mailed to my house, what, what are my, what's my recourse to get some of that money? So the stimulus check will be mailed to the address, which was on the return that was last filed on which they're basing the, the stimulus amount. If you're receiving one, it will be a joint check and it will go to that address. So if your spouse or your former spouse is still residing at that address, um, they'll receive a check there in both your names. You will need to either both sign in order for that check to be deposited or cashed, um, or it will need to be deposited into a joint account. Mm -hmm. So if there is a paper check um, that is right now, that is pending, I mean, you have an interest in it, it's best to contact an attorney if you don't already have one, or if you do have one, have that attorney start engaging in conversations about how that check is going to be allocated before you sign off on it um, or before any deposit is made. If your spouse has the ability to deposit the check, you might want to make sure you're monitoring that account if you still have access. Yeah, and I imagine in your experience, like mine, uh, in not not just with a stimulus check, but even tax refunds. You know, I've had occasions where uh, the wife gets the check, forges the husband's name, and deposits it in, into an account. And obviously, there are perhaps criminal aspects of it, but from a family law standpoint, you know, is there recourse, perhaps, in your experience? Can they? At some point when we get to court, if, if it's in the middle of a divorce or something, is there, is it, can they bring that up and really ask the court to, to take that into consideration? Absolutely. If money that was supposed to go to you is otherwise diverted to your spouse, you can make numerous arguments 
Uh, one, it's still marital property, so it should still be subject to division in a divorce proceeding. Two, if it was money that should have gone to you that otherwise went to your spouse and you have an alimony or child support obligation, you should absolutely be able to argue that that money should be accredited against those obligations. Yeah. I mean, the same goes for guys who are in the home and the wife's moved out and they get the check, right? And it's in both names. I mean, I imagine they should be seeking consent and get her to sign it and figure out a way to divide it, right? That's correct. Yes, I absolutely. Mean, the ramifications, especially representing guys, you know, no funny business. I get it. You know, you need the money. Maybe you're paying all the bills. The point is, is the worst case is maybe you just don't reach an agreement. You hold the check and let the court make the decision, right? Right. And that's what we would advise. If, it, if the issue's up in the air, don't cash it, don't use it. Just hold it for now. It's good yeah. for typically up to six months um, and it can be dealt with within the course of your litigation. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. The complication, I think, for divorced guys is uh, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago and we, we, we kind of bantered about is um, I've been divorced. Uh, 2019 was my year to take the tax deduction for the kids. And so, therefore, if the IRS is going to look at that, is it really, it belongs to me, presumably, right? And uh, if she won't, or I haven't filed because she won't sign off on the IRS form, what do I do if she won't cooperate and, and that money really belongs to me? And then they look at 2018 and they send her the money. That's certainly something where you'd want to get your attorney involved because if you have the right to claim the children for 2019, the IRS will look at the 2019 return and you're going to want to get that filed as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a time to get your attorney involved, uh, to contact your spouse's uh, attorney and see if you guys can negotiate getting those returns filed as soon as possible. Or speaking to a tax attorney or accountant about being able to file, even if you don't necessarily have that form at present. Yeah. So, you know, with 23 million uh, plus unemployed, we know that number will probably grow uh, tomorrow when the latest unemployment numbers come out. Uh, guys are out there, they've been laid off, they can't afford their child support. Perhaps it's, you know, six plus weeks, maybe they were laid off before this started. They're not making their child support payments because they can't afford it. So what happens, if anything, if they're uh, in arrears and they owe a bunch of child support, will they still get the stimulus check or will it be intercepted? What happens to it? So uh, the federal law requires child support agencies to have procedures to collect class two child support. That's under the CARES Act. Congress did not exempt child support arrears for the stimulus payment, where it did exempt many other debts which can be enforced against uh, tax returns and payments of this nature. So if you do have child support arrears, and these are child support arrears which were recorded by a child support agency or otherwise on file uh, with the state or federal government. If you pay your support directly, your stimulus payment will not, of course, be intercepted. If you do, do not and it's registered with a state agency and you're demonstrating arrears, more likely than not, either part or all of your stimulus check will be diverted to satisfy those arrears. You know, on a side matters, as you were talking about this, it came to mind that let's say they're paying the child support directly, or they were, but they're, they're behind and they get this stimulus money. 
I imagine it's it's worthy of a conversation with an attorney to talk about how do you use that stimulus money? If you're already in arrears and child support, I'm probably going to say it's a good idea to take some of it and pay down some of that arrears, especially if you've got other bills, I get it. But if you've got no other bills, I imagine it's got to go to that child support, right? Yes. Anything that you can do to satisfy those obligations that you have um, will only inert to your benefit later on when you're asking for, you know, forgiveness from the court if you did fall into arrears during that time. And the most important thing, of course, to remember is if you've had a change in circumstances with regard to your income, make sure you file for a child support modification now. Don't yeah. wait because the courts may be closed. Um, a variety of jurisdictions have options uh, for electronic filing where we're still able to file and preserve that modification date retroactive to the date when you're, you're filed. So don't wait until um, months down the line when you think the courts are reopened to file those modifications because you'll be stuck with the support that you owe during that interim until such time as you file. And I think making sure we don't, uh, we've talked about this in a number of jurisdictions around the country during my podcast, but I, I think it's worthy of continuing to repeat it. And that is that retroactive. You know, we use that word a lot. And, and what that really means is um, that when you file, the court now has the authority, if they're going to find a reduction, to make that reduction effective the date that you file. Is that right in Maryland? That's correct. It freezes the date upon which you um are eligible for a, a reduction in your child support. So if you were to file your child support modification in June and you owed $1,000 a month and you don't get into a hearing with the court until December of 2020 and they reduce your child support obligation to 500, the court may recognize that 500 as being retroactive to the date when you filed the modification back in June. So all that money that you may have fallen behind in the interim could be credited against any arrears that you have to put you in the same position as if they had modified it in June when you originally filed your modification, which is yeah. why it's so important. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I, one of the mistakes we talked about two weeks ago was taking no action. And that is, if you're laid off and, and you have a consultation and the attorney says, look, yeah, I, I see this as a modification, you've got to take action now. So I think that's huge. You know, one of the other things, and I think it gets a little complicated in this bill, uh, especially if guys are going through a divorce, uh, yet they have a financial need, and that is the bill allows for the withdrawal of a certain amount of money from your retirement account. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, and I know when I allude to the complicating factor, and that is uh, the withdrawal in and of itself during the divorce, uh, depending upon what you use it for, can create some complications. You gotta be very, very careful about what you use the proceeds for, but Talk a little bit about what the bill provides in terms of getting guys some relief that they can take action now. So the bill has relaxed the um, requirements and penalties on being able to take retirement withdrawals um, while COVID-19 is going on. And it's really um, carved out the six months from approximately April 1st until um, September 1st in which you can take advantage of these, of these opportunities. Um, there are federal limits on how much you can withdraw. And when we talk about retirement accounts in this context, we're referring to typically 401ks, IRAs, TSPs, um, 547s, uh, 403bs of that nature. If you have a um, supplemental retirement plan or something specialized through your firm, this doesn't necessarily apply to that. Um, but for those um, regular uh, defined contribution plans, they've increased the amount that you can withdraw from 50,000 to 100,000. Um, they waived the 10% penalty on those withdrawals, even if you're under 59 and a half. Uh, loan repayment can be delayed for up to a year. So if you have 
401k or TSP loans right now that you're currently repaying, and those are supposed to be paid off at some point this year, they are giving you an additional year to pay those off without penalty. Um, very important to this is they have spread out the income tax implications on these. So if you take a withdrawal instead of a loan, they allow you to spread out the income taxes on those for, for three years. Um, and the requirement to take a uh, mandatory withdrawal has been waived for the tax year 2020. So if you're over the mandatory withdrawal age and you have to take your mandatory withdrawals and you don't want to do that um, because the market's low right now, you don't want to lock in those losses, they waived the requirement to take those required mandatory withdrawals this year. Nice. So, you know, if a guy's listening goes, yeah, I've got all these bills, I'm falling behind, I got to protect my largest asset, that's the, maybe the house, I can't afford it. Uh, should they be cautious, obviously consult with an attorney, but be cautious about one, keeping track of how they spend it, because if they're in the middle of the divorce, certainly opposing counsel and the judge are going to want to know where that money went, right? Absolutely. If you need to and you do take a withdrawal or a loan from any of your retirement, you're going to want to make sure that you're accounting for all of it. Um, I would advise put it into a separate account, take out what you need, be able to account for what it is you used it for, um, whether it be household bills or child support payments, if that's something that you need to do, um, attorney's fees, if you feel that you need to move forward with something right now and you don't otherwise have the fees to pay for it, um, and account for all of that money so you can avoid any sort of dissipation claim. Yeah, and I think you can be really creative uh, if you could you know, get to a settlement even by uh, using these funds in the event that you, know, you can say, look, I'll make this withdrawal, I'll give it to her in the form of property settlement, maybe, and that she can buy a house with it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the cash in order to do something or buy some or put a big down payment. I think there can be some creative strategies uh, in the middle of a divorce if you're trying to get it resolved that are tax and penalty free, perhaps, at the, in the moment. And obviously, the tax ramifications are spread out. But I think that it's worthy of a conversation with your attorney to talk about, look, is this something I could use to my advantage, even if I don't necessarily need the money? Uh, I, do, I do see it as an advantage, don't you? Absolutely. You may be in a position where either your spouse is in the same or worse position than you are, and having access to those funds may be something that they need and may mm -hmm. get you closer to a settlement if you can make that offer to get them the, those funds they need to get over the hump during yeah. this time. Absolutely. So as we continue to wind this up here, um, really, and I know you alluded to it earlier about filing motions and, and e-filing. So give everyone who's listening kind of an update as to what the status of the Maryland court system is. We, we throw around the term courts are closed. And so that, that immediately uh, lets everyone think like a, a restaurant. Closed means the doors are locked, nothing's happening, no services are provided. So really, it's kind of an inaccurate reflection on what courts can do. There are a few states that there is like a, a closed closed, but what's going on in Maryland? Correct, in very few jurisdictions are the courts actually closed. And Maryland is one of those jurisdictions where they, they are not. Um, the judiciary has issued orders for certain emergency issues to move forward, um, as well as um, the court has, most of the courts in the state of Maryland have moved to electronic filing. All but I believe three or four counties are on electronic filing right now. If you have electronic uh, if you're in an electronic jurisdiction, you can absolutely file the same way that you were prior to when this all happened. And we're finding that in most of the jurisdictions in Maryland, um, the clerks are receiving and processing those pleadings, issuing rid of summons or show cause orders when necessary. Most um, jurisdictions have at least one judge on rotation who's issuing show cause orders for contempts, 
um, Brutus summons are coming out of the clerk's office. So we are able to move these cases forward, even if we can't appear in court. Um, additionally, a lot of courts, as they've been closed longer, are moving to doing certain things over um, telephonically or through some sort of uh, virtual meeting space. Um, Pre-trial conferences, I understand a lot of these courts now we've encountered are doing, are trying to get um, parties to mediation, if they can do that while this is going on, um, to resolve some issues that may be coming up. So there definitely are resources to which you can avail yourself through the court system in Maryland to resolve some issues that may have arisen. Good. Yeah, I think that's key to understand. Yesterday, uh, I talked a little bit about uh, what it means and where to find with one of our attorneys uh, in Pennsylvania about, you know, where do I find information about the access to the court system? You know, what do I do? What's, you know, the frequently asked questions section, maybe there's some guidance and guidelines. Uh, so it's important to understand that in the courts for the most part around the country are quote unquote, we'll just say open with the exception of a, a few states where they are absolutely closed for all, including no e-filing, but that's just not the case in Maryland. So Christine, really uh, great information. Uh, I think it's very helpful for guys as they really try to figure out if the stimulus, what do they do with it and the retirement benefits. And really, I think these are the types of things that will uh, give them the access to their attorney to try to have that conversation as they prepare. So I appreciate your time today. Oh, you're welcome. So as usual, uh, we'll continue to bring you uh, some information as it relates to COVID-19 and bring you the latest on the ground in the states across the country from our Cordell and Cordell attorneys. Continue to tune in every day as we do that, as well as tomorrow, we're gonna to be having a virtual town hall, uh, engaging uh, guys across the country where they can ask questions and get answers. And we'll continue to bring you a panel of our Cordell and Cordell attorneys who will answer questions uh, regarding the effects of COVID-19 on family law. Check us out at CordellCordell.com. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW if you need to schedule a virtual or telephone conversation or consultation with us, and we're always available to help. Until next time, have a good week.